All right, boys and girls, how are you this morning? Good. I'm so glad to see you in God's house to worship today. Before I forget, let me remind you, this is our fifth Sunday, so we don't have children's worship today. So when we get through with the children, the happy club, you can go back to your seats with your parents and stay in big church today, okay? Does that sound like fun? Yeah. Yeah, okay, good. Right answer. All right. Peyton Bozeman has our happy club bag, and it's something mighty small and mighty light. Let's see what she brought. I don't see anything. There's something over here in the corner. Uh-oh. It's a harmonica. Can you play a harmonica? Why did you bring a harmonica? <laughs> Tell me about it. Your daddy gave it to you, and what are you supposed to do with it? You can play it. Have you learned anything on it yet? You just play it? You going to play it for us? No? <laughs> All right. Well, how many of y'all have harmonicas? Everybody. <laughs> you have one? Your papa gave it to you. Some people have harmonicas. Not very many people do. He has one all by himself. Your papa, okay. Well, Mr. Ed Park plays a harmonica. That's right. I think I hear a harmonica going off right now. Um, you know what, boys and girls? There, there are all kinds of instruments mentioned in the Bible. There's a, a psaltery and a harp and timbrel and, and horns and flutes and drums. And all those things are mentioned in the Bible as being used to praise the Lord. There's a drum over there. There's a trumpet over there. That's right. We have all these instruments. And the Bible says that we can use all instruments to praise God with. Everything can be used to praise the Lord. So Peyton, I think maybe one day you can learn how to, to play a song on this harmonica and lead us in a hymn. What do you think about that? Okay. <laughs> so any, any instrument, boys and girls, can be used to praise the Lord. We use guitars, we use drums, we have a keyboard. Everything can be used to honor God, even a harmonica. So Peyton brought this harmonica and she's going to learn how to play it and who knows, one day, maybe she'll, she'll use this as an instrument with which to praise the Lord. Everything can be used to bring glory to his name, especially instruments, because they express, and horns too, that's right. We can use all things to honor and glorify God. So let's thank him for giving us instruments to praise him with. All right, let's pray, and you pray after me. Dear God, Dear God thank, you thank you for instruments. That we can use, that we can use to, make a joyful noise to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Unto the Lord. Help us, Help us do, just that. do just that. In Jesus' name we pray. Name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, Peyton, I want you to practice up and learn a song and, and we'll get you to play it for us, okay? That will be, be a lot of fun. Yeah, we're going to give the happy club bag to a boy, Miss Sabina. Jason Cody, where's, will you take the bag and bring something special back? And now, boys and girls, you can go back and sit with your parents and stay in big church today. All right? Thank you.
1 Chronicles 29.11 says, Yours, Lord, is the kingdom, and you are exalted as head over all. If you would, please rise as we sing all three verses of Glorious is Thy Name. This is our offertory hymn. please. My Father and my God, Christ and the Holy Spirit, I stand before you now. And as I come to you, Lord, I am so aware of what a sinful person I am. And Father, in order for you to hear this prayer, you have to forgive me of my sins. And as I pray collectively for my family, you have to forgive us of our sins. And Jesus, I just thank you that your blood covers us all, that my family and faith that is in this place and is in other places this morning, that you'll be with them. Lord, that you'll be with us as we return to those of us who teach to teaching jobs, students to their classrooms. And Lord, I thank you that in this part of the service, we have just finished worshiping you, lifting you up to the place that you need and you deserve And Father, for some of us, and sometimes me too, Lord, this is the only time I lift you up during the week. 
forgive me for that. Lord, for our offerings that you're about to take, please make our offerings as Abel's word to you, holy and wonderful in your sight. Lord, I always heard as a little child, bless the gift and the giver. But Lord, I ask you to go even further. For those of us, I ask you to touch our hearts so that we will give from our hearts sacrificially so that your word can go out among our own nation, Lord, that needs you so desperately. And Lord, that it could spread from there, that people wouldn't just see the United States, Lord, as a place, not as a place, oh, of everything we want, but they will see us, Lord, as a beacon because we have you in our heart. Thank you for the, the reason that we can give is because of you. Thank you for the rain. Thank you, Lord, that in these next few moments of this service that you will put your hands upon our mind, dear Father, and keep our minds stayed on thee so that we can hear your servant Wayne. Anoint him, Lord, touch his voice and touch his spirit and break these words of scripture that cut like a two-edged sword upon our hearts, Lord, so that we can live as the church on love. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Thank you for blessing these offerings. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you, choir. And in Gary's absence today on vacation, thank you, Ricky Collins, who uh, will be starting his seminary studies this fall in uh, worship ministries at New Orleans Seminary, which makes the president of New Orleans Seminary attendance tomorrow night even more timely. But uh, we know Ricky's going to serve the Lord uh, in a mighty way, and we're grateful for his participation in worship leadership today. In our tour through the Bible, we're at the book of Joshua. And there are a lot of passages in Joshua that jump out and speak to us. But I guess the most familiar one comes at the end of the book in chapter 24, verses 14 and 15. And I see this on a plaque that many of you have on your homes by your front door or back door testifying to your neighbors and to your family who you will serve. Joshua 24, 14 and 15 say this. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if you be unwilling to serve the Lord... Choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. Now Joshua makes a stand here and he says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Doesn't really matter to Joshua what anyone else decides. He's going to use this final speech before the children of Israel as they have entered the promised land and occupied it, he's going to use it as his testimony, realizing that he cannot force anybody to do anything they do not want to do. Joshua is going to stand up and say, this is what I'm going to do. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Shall we pray? Father, as we gather here today, So many of us had the privilege of being raised in Christian homes whose fathers took us to church and sat beside us in the pew and by example taught us how to worship and how to love and how to serve, not just on Sundays, but throughout the week as well. Others of us are learning for the first time what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. But wherever we are in that that journey, help us realize our responsibility to succeeding generations to stand up and boldly declare, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And then let that influence filter down throughout our church, our community, and our land. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Way back in 1640, a a preacher named Richard Baxter became the pastor of a sophisticated and wealthy church in Kidderminster, England. For three years, Baxter preached his heart out, and there was very little response from the congregation. Nothing was happening, and in desperation, he finally fell on his face 
before the Lord in his study and he cried out to God. He said, oh God, you must do something to these people or I will surely die. And he later testified, it was almost as if God spoke to him audibly saying, Baxter, you're going about it in the wrong way. If you're expecting something spiritual to happen in the church, start in the home. Start in the home. And so Baxter went from home to home and he spent time with the families and he gave instruction to the parents and he shared with children. He moved from one family to another until finally the Spirit of God began to light fires all over that congregation and and a spiritual renewal, a revival swept through that land. He discovered that revival in the church doesn't begin in the church. He learned that revival in the church begins where? In the home. It begins in the home. Brothers and sisters, there's nothing wrong with our country that putting God in our home cannot fix. I think that's a lesson we need to learn today. The key to spiritual renewal in our land is not to put God in our government. It's not to put God in our schools. Friends, I'd be happy if we just put God back into our homes. Where will we serve the Lord? We have got to start at home. How does this happen? Well, here is Joshua, and he gives us a great example. Moses, you remember in the book of Deuteronomy, led the children of Israel right up to the edge of the promised land, but could not go in. And and, in his closing message, Moses reiterated, children of Israel, Israel, listen to me. You're going into the promised land. And you're going to be surrounded by other peoples and other gods. Remember who it was that brought you up out of the land of Egypt, who led you through the wilderness, who provided for you, and who's brought you on the brink of the promised land. Children of Israel, listen to me. Be be firm, be committed, be dedicated to God and to his commandments. Moses passes from this scene. Up steps Joshua. And he leads the children of Israel into the promised land and they overcome the enemies that are there. They vanquish every, every nation there and they occupy the land and, and their gods all around them, still foreign gods circulating. And so Joshua has given these same instructions to the children of Israel. Children of Israel, listen to me. If you're going to obey the gods of your fathers, if you're going to obey the gods of the Amorites that dwelt here, I can't force you not to. But then Joshua goes on to say, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And there's some things I want to point out to you about this message, about this statement that Joshua made that I think has relevance for us today. And it's outlined in your worship bulletin. The first thing I want you to see is that if we begin serving the Lord in our homes... It's not going to begin with the person sitting in front of you or behind you or even beside you. It's got to begin with the person looking at you in the mirror. It has to begin with me. Joshua declared, I will serve the Lord. Notice Joshua did not say, as for me and my house, my wife will take the kids to church. He did not say, as for me and my house, we'll spend weekends at the lake. 
He did not say, my parents are leaders in the church or my children are involved in the youth program. He said, as for me, he realized and he took responsibility for the truth, the spiritual truth that if God is going to have control of his home, it has to begin with him. It has to begin with him. Men, let me tell you a story that will make you shake in your boots. George Truett, pastor of First Baptist Dallas, early part of the 20th century, tells a story of a 16-year-old boy who came to a revival at their church. And at the end of each, each service, Truett would ask all those who wanted him to pray for them to raise their hands. And, and for three nights in a row, this 16-year-old boy slipped up his hand that he, required, he requested prayer. By the fourth night, though, things began to change. The Truett could look at the boy and tell that his interest and his enthusiasm had begun to wane. And he spoke to the boy after the service and asked him why he was losing interest. And the boy told him this. He said, sir, my father is the smartest, the wisest, the strongest man I know. But he doesn't go to church. And I've decided that if he doesn't need Jesus then I don't either because I want to grow up to be just like my dad. Well, what do you think George Truett did? The next day, he went to visit that boy's father at his office and he told him what his son said. And the man asked Truett when his next service would be and he said, tonight. And the doctor, he was a doctor, he promised to be there. And he was. And during the invitation, the man came forward and said he wanted to publicly proclaim Jesus as his Lord and Savior. He did not want to hinder his son or stand in his son's way. And he turned around to see his son, his son standing right behind him in the aisle, making his decision for Christ also. And his son said, Dad, I'm so glad you came tonight because I wanted to give my life to Jesus, but I was waiting on you. Now both of us can follow him together as Lord and Savior. Fathers, do you realize how much your children look up to you and desire more than anything else in their lives, whether they realize it or not, to emulate you? Because you're modeling for them not only how to to live throughout the week, but how to worship God or not worship God on Sunday. And I think one of the greatest errors that fathers are making today are, is that they are refusing to take a stand for Jesus, refusing to become actively involved in a church, and refusing to live for Christ. And by so doing, they are discouraging a son or daughter from the kingdom of God who is looking to them for leadership and, and will model them in every area of their lives. And so I pray for the men of our country today who will dare to lead the way in their home spiritually and stand up and say, although it may not have always been this way from this day forward, for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. According to the Bible, Joshua doesn't say, my wife will serve the Lord or my children will serve the Lord. It begins with the Father. As for me, I don't care what anyone else is doing or ever may do. As for me, I will serve the Lord. Him and Him alone will I serve. Because if if 
God is going to be in our homes, it has to begin with me and with you. The second thing I want you to see is that you and I have no excuse. We are totally without excuse. As for me, insofar as it depends on me, I am choosing right here, right now, to serve the Lord. Even if no one else in my family is concerned with spiritual matters, even if it is me by myself, I am still going to put God in my home and stand up for him alone. And and what I'm saying here this morning is that I realize this is a challenge to wives whose husbands are indifferent spiritually. Somewhere along the line, I'm afraid there is a misconception that has been planted in the minds of men that faith in Jesus Christ is for women and children. And that most men ignore the, the claims of Christ. It's manly to do so. And I found that mistaken belief prevalent in third world countries. And it is creeping into America. You talk to a lot of men today and they say, yeah, my wife and children go to church and that's enough. And because of that misconception, because of that misbelief, many women have been left to carry the spiritual load for their families all alone. And some of you here today may be in that category. Others of you may be married to men who are not Christians. Your husbands don't care about Jesus. Or maybe you're alone or a single mom and you're bearing full responsibility for your children's welfare. Here's good news for you today. Even as a single parent or as a wife whose husband doesn't care about Jesus, you can still put God in the center of your life and in the center of your home and permeate the atmosphere of your home with the Spirit of Christ if you will stand up and dare to say, as for me, regardless of what anyone else is doing, I am going to serve the Lord. And this might be comforting to you students here today whose parents are unconcerned spiritually. Maybe you had no support in your home getting up and coming to church. No one woke you up. No one drove you here. Your parents could care less about spiritual things. But you are here because you wanted to be here. You're here because you love God and you want to worship Him. But there's good news here. Even if your parents are unconcerned spiritually, you can still stand for Christ in your home as a student by being good and faithful in your relationship with Jesus all by yourself. And you can bring God into your home by allowing Him to live and work in your life. And who knows, students, but maybe your parents looking at you and watching you and seeing the difference that Jesus makes in your life will want that contagious fever that you feel for Jesus. You can touch your home with the presence of God if you can say along with Joshua, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. We are without excuse. The third thing I want you to see is that when you do so, it's going to influence everyone around you. It really will. Joshua didn't just stop with, as for me, I will serve the Lord. He included, and my house, my household. Now that doesn't mean that when Joshua decided to follow the Lord that his household was automatically committed just because he decided it to be. 
you know, you can lead a horse to water, but you cannot make it drink. It just realizes the truth that Joshua recognized his responsibility to influence his family spiritually. And whether you realize it or not, when you stand for God, it's going to rub off in your family. When you refuse to, that influence will rub off as well. Joshua understands that he's not only responsible for himself, but he is accountable to God for the commitment of the other members of his household. And folks, it, 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 it really comes home to me when I realize one day you and I are going to stand before the Lord and he's going to hold us accountable, not only for our own faith, but for the influence we bore on the lives of those around us, particularly in our home, whom he has entrusted to our care. As for me and my household, says Joshua, we will serve the Lord. And I realize now that everything in the home is not always perfect, and I'm not idealizing that situation. But having said that, every one of us has the responsibility to stand before God and to influence those around us for God. As Christian parents, to create a spiritual atmosphere in our homes in which our children can come to know God and to love God. I I think about it like this as farmers. You know how the first part of the summer the ground was hard and brittle and nothing would sprout? And yet here towards the end of the summer we've had rain and and things are beginning to turn green and grow. That's the way it is in our homes as well. Parents, we can plow the field and we can tend it and we can water it and we can fertilize it in such a way that a seed of faith can sprout and take root in the lives of our children. But if we refuse to honor God and love God and serve God, that ground for our children is going to be hard and dry and brittle. And for anything to take root would be a miracle. Sometimes God does that. But isn't it easier for our children to come to know and love and serve God if they see their parents doing that first? So every one of us should be able to say with Joshua, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So how do we go about doing that? How do we communicate to our children the importance of serving the Lord? As Joshua indicates here, two things I want to hold up, our desire and our sincerity. Two simple words, desire. Those parents who influence their children the most are men and women who love God and above all else have a desire to follow and serve Him. Harry Emerson Fosdick was one of the great preachers of Riverside Church in New York City in the early 20th century. And he wrote his autobiography tracing his faith back to the foundation he had in his family. And in his autobiography, Fosdick wrote, Religion was a force in our family rather than a form. But it was always there, vital and real, and I can still recall family prayers which made clear the unity and loyalty 
in the Christian home to God. Fosdick said it was a force rather than a form. That's how he recalls the faith of his parents. They had such a desire, such a love for God that he was saying in his home, faith was not so much taught as it was caught. It was caught because of the way his parents lived. And the way his parents lived influenced him in such a way that made him want to to follow God too. So there was a desire, a contagious desire in the lives of his parents. But there's also a sincerity. Someone asked a preacher once, is that man over there, is he a Christian? And the preacher replied, I don't know. Let's ask his wife. You see, the problem with many of us is that we claim to be Christians and we look like Christians to the world and we sound like Christians and we go through all the motions, but we fail to live out our faith in our homes. And so our spouses and our children, boy, can they see through us. You may be able to fool the world, but you will never, ever fool your family. Let me tell you something. You may say you're a Christian, but when your spouse and children say you're a Christian and that you live out your beliefs in the home, there's no prouder time in your life. Sometimes I I use this phrase in funerals because I've heard it and I think it's true. Um, it, it goes like this. A man is a success when those who know him best love him most. Can the people who know you best, your family at home, when you're behind closed doors and you put all those pretenses aside, can they call you a man or woman of God. Those who are able to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, have a desire and have a sincerity that is contagious. And when they do, they don't have to force their children to do something against their wills. It'll be something that draws them to faith in God because they have seen it and the lives of their parents in such a way that they'll want it to. You want to talk about the key to revival or renewal in our church and in our land? It's not better worship services. It's not more programs or ministries or musical presentations or, or anything else we can, can do here at church. The key is to put God where he belongs, in the throne of the center of our homes. It's up to us to say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Regardless of what anybody else is saying, I'm going to serve him. And I'm going to do all in my power to influence my family to do the same.
Say it with me. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let it be so. Amen. Shall we pray? God, I know that things were not easy for Moses and they weren't easy for Joshua. Joshua had wars to fight. And yet even through those, he saw you working and moving and and you remained faithful. And all he asked the children of Israel to do in response was to be faithful back. But they had a choice. And so Joshua stood before them and said, regardless of what anyone else is doing, I'm going to serve the Lord and do everything within my power to influence my household to do the same. I realize there are families here today, perhaps even watching by television, whose fathers, whose parents perhaps are indifferent to spiritual things. And yet you want to work in the midst of that family. You need that family to come to faith to you, to love and serve you, to provide a model for the children that would be pleasing to you for them to follow. Father, I pray that you would be Lord who not only saves us from our sins, but Lord of our lives, Lord of our homes in such a way that will transform this land. And we'll be a Christian nation once more. Not because of our government or because of our schools, but because of the transforming revolutionary power that is taking place in the homes of America from sea to shining sea. And we're not going to look to someone else's home. We're going to look at our own to start. We're going to look at ourselves and the changes we need to make in our lives for our homes to honor you and glorify you and provide the kind of influence and model for our children that would be pleasing in your eyes for them to follow. We have decisions to make here today, Lord. Help us make them public. Help us to stand and say, as for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. And I'm going to do it right here, right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing an invitational hymn, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, for you to respond and say that God's going to be the Lord of my life and my home. And for that to start, I need to profess my faith in Him publicly. Or I need to rededicate my life. Or I need to join this church. Or I need to come down here and pray at the altar and get some things straight in my life. Whatever decision you have to make, turn your eyes upon Jesus 320. Francis Edwards joined our church in our early service, our new youth intern um, coming from Oklahoma will be with us this coming year. The doors of fellowship of our church are open even now. Let's stand together and sing, and I'll be at the front to receive us.